I greeted the couple at the door, anticipating a familiar conversation. Over the course of these last almost 17 years at Tabernacle Baptist Church, it isn't uncommon in any given week for a stranger, or in this case strangers, to ring the doorbell of the church and basically say something like this. Uh, we grew up at Tabernacle. I was baptized at Tabernacle. I spent my first 20 years of life here at this church. We're back in town for the day, and we just had to come see for ourselves if the church was still standing and how things were going, and we really would love to walk around if that's okay. The surprise visits never seem to come at the right time, but at the same time, on the other side of the visits, there's always a sense that God is at work in them, kind of a stranger's that end up being angels unaware kind of thing. They have been a constant source of encouragement to us. As people come through the doors of this place that connect their pivotal, spiritual, formative years, tell stories about the faithful people that came before us, there is a real sense that we are standing on shoulders that are stronger than we know. So on this particular day, I thought I knew what this couple was going to say to me. It started off the way that I thought that it might. Hi, my name is so-and-so. This is my husband so-and-so. I didn't grow up here at this church, but he did. And we just thought it'd be wonderful if we could come inside and talk to the pastor. I said, well, well, you're in luck. I'm the pastor. Welcome. Come on in. As they came in, I asked them if I could get them anything. I asked them if there was anything they wanted to see in particular, and we're making conversation. And as we step into the building and begin to walk, it occurs to me that the man that grew up here as a boy wasn't speaking, but rather his wife was. It also occurred to me that as he looked at me, he had a perplexed look on his face, and it took longer than one might expect for them to convey to me, he can't hear anything you're saying, he's deaf. He was born deaf, as a matter of fact. Oh, really? I said, I'm so incredibly sorry. I should have paid closer attention. I'm making it very difficult for you to read my lips as we wander around the building. His wife offered some assurance, and then he did the same. And then we went and had a seat in the sanctuary. It was a beautiful spring day. Sanctuary is not cooled or heated as a general rule other than when, we got, when we've got people actually in it. And so it wasn't uncomfortable that day. And so we were able to sit in the sanctuary. The lights were off. And so we could just kind of sit and watch the light kind of dance in through the stained glass windows onto the pews. And we sat in a spot where I was certain that he could actually see my lips. I thought I knew what they were going to say because I'd had this conversation many times over. I figured it was going to be a conversation about how he had been raised in faith in this church and he had been loved so very well in his formative years here and he was coming back to not only take a, a nostalgic walk through the building but offer gratitude for the great cloud of witnesses. But that's not what it was. Within moments of us sitting down and talking, tears began to flow down his face and the story that he did his best to tell in a way that I could understand it, with his wife filling in the critical gaps in things that it was clear I wasn't understanding, or perhaps she thought 
things that were being shared just didn't get into enough specific details for me to truly understand. It took a while for the story to be pieced together, and it took even longer for the recipient of the story to grasp the magnitude of what was being shared. This is the gist of it. I was born deaf and raised in this church. I spent years of my life with dozens upon dozens of children in the Williams Building, which is our big white cinder block three-story building that was just packed with children like sardines back in our heyday. He says, I would attend Sunday school regularly because my parents insisted that I do. But every time that I would go to class from the very beginnings of my memory all the way to the very last time that I stepped foot in this church, which was a long, long time ago, I always felt like I wasn't welcome in this place. Now at this point, tears are just streaming down his face and you can see just a shattered man in front of me and his wife beside him, you could just feel the anger building with each word that was uttered out of his mouth or in turn out of hers. It wasn't what I expected to hear. I've heard a story, and then the next one, and then the next one, common thread. Amazing people raised me in faith, paid attention to me, did an amazing job. That's not what this was. It was the story of a little boy who came to church and felt all alone. It was the story of a little boy who was put often in the corner with just a coloring book while the other children were doing the actual Sunday school lesson and getting to play the games because it was clear he wouldn't understand. There were moments that he begged his parents not to come and he was punished uh, for throwing too big of a fit for not wanting to come into the place. A place that was supposed to be sanctuary for the vulnerable was the opposite of for this young man. And so he just wanted to come into the building today and he wasn't even sure what he wanted to do. Maybe it was make peace, I'm guessing. Maybe it was to make us aware. That's my better guess. Doesn't really matter what his particular motive was. It was very clear he needed to be here. It mattered to him. And what mattered to me was that the story that he had to share be heard. A deaf boy growing into his years of being adult, shows up on the doorstep, not being able to hear a thing and never feeling hurt his entire life, came back home so that the church that helped raise him or was supposed to have helped raise him could hear about the damage that they had done and their neglect of him and his vulnerability and in his struggle. I don't know about you, but just even thinking about the story as I'm sharing it with you today rips my heart out all over again. My gut tells me that the people that were here at Tabernacle all of those decades ago that were doing the best that they could to actually raise all of the children up in the church had no idea what to do with the special needs that were presented with the family that came forward through the life of this beautiful child. My gut tells me that they did the best that they could from their limited understanding, but ultimately, they missed the mark. 
I want to make it really clear, my gut also tells me that there are some that knew that they could do better and just figured it wasn't worth trying, or they didn't have the energy to try. I don't know. I know this, that through years of serving in urban congregations, it's very, very common for people to wander and off the street at any given moment, many of them in great need. And there have been more moments than I want to admit that I have found myself with a calloused heart, too big of a hurry, or knowing in advance what they're going to say. And so I just don't even give them the opportunity to say it. There have been many, many times that I have in my own blindness turned away from people that came to this place seeking shelter, seeking Christ, seeking companionship, seeking church. Now, I don't share this story with you today to say shame on them and leave it there. We should feel some guilt. There's no doubt about that. There's, a, you know, there's no place in life for shame. There is place for guilt. We sinned in the life of this child, and we did irreparable harm. But again, my gut tells me that the harm that was done is harm that we had no idea we were actively participating in all those decades ago. It's a weird thing, isn't it? Looking backwards and finding yourself in a position where you feel like you need to apologize for something that somebody else did that you had nothing to do with. I know that he had mixed emotions about being there that day. I'm certain that she didn't. She had an agenda. She wanted the church to hear the story and understand the pain. And in turn, I think that she wanted to hear me apologize. And whether or not he wanted me to apologize or not, in watching his facial expression as I opened my mouth and offered sincere apology, there was a sense that healing came through it. I'd like to say that when they walked out of the building having received apologies from the pastor and me having a chance to pray and ask for forgiveness on behalf of the church, that he walked out of the building saying hallelujah and was healed and never looked back at the pain, seeing it as pain again. But I don't know that that's true because any time that there is pain that is embedded so deeply in someone that they have to live with it for decades, inevitably it will take a long, long time for that healing to actually set in and feel like liberation. So no, he didn't walk away liberated that day. But I believe he walked away that day feeling that he was on a path toward wholeness because an apology helped him continue to move forward. And in turn, I can assure you, I walked out of that conversation that day and home and many, many days that followed it with the sense that God was healing a wound that I didn't even realize that I had in my blindness. There's a lot going on right now in the world, isn't there? Some of us are feeling incredibly defensive. Some of us aren't feeling necessarily defensive as much as we're feeling very confused. And some of us are feeling outright resolved. Some of us are ecstatic that some momentum is building and some of us are terrified that momentum is building. 
many are disappointed in the church. Specifically this church, yes, but also the church, the universal church. The big C church, as we might say it. We're all over the place, in other words. And one of the blessings and curses of being a congregation that welcomes leaning into the tension is the reality that in these divisive moments, in these divisive times, there is a very strong temptation to run to our corners and surround ourselves with people that are going to share the exact same narrative that we would have shared had they asked us to tell it. But that's not the way this works. This healing that Christ is introducing into our lives, at least the beginnings of healing. There is difficult work to be done. It's important for us to look backwards and embrace a larger frame. We have to be open to the reality that maybe the reality that we've been walking around with, the story that we've been walking around with, isn't in fact the full story. Now I know I'm being redundant, I've said this before, and I'm not gonna apologize for that. I'll apologize for a lot of things, but I won't apologize for the redundancy because I think we need to understand this. And redundancy is something that is a gift that we find in the Gospels repeatedly. Jesus walks into a holy place. He crosses over the threshold, enters the temple, enters a synagogue. There's a group of faithful people waiting for him there. In some cases, it's a setup. In other cases, not so much. But inevitably, what does Jesus do but walk into the holy place? And the first thing that he does, almost without exception, very redundantly, is he begins looking for the people that are waiting outside of the gate of the holy place calling attention to the faithful to cast their eyes over to the corner where there is someone sitting that we are all ignoring, either because we don't know what to do or we're too exhausted or too offended or fill in the blank. There's been no action. And what does he do? But he points our eyes in the direction of one that we have treated as if they were invisible and he draws our attention to them. And then we follow him as he walks over and makes eye contact. And through the gift of exchange of eye contact and narrative alike, what do we see but healing taking place before our very blind eyes? And then inevitably in his redundancy, he will turn and look at us and invite us into that healing through accountability through invitation, through a reframing of the narrative, and through a reminder that we were created for something greater. Nobody invisible. Pain from the past needs to be acknowledged. If healing is going to take place. Amen.